Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realise that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a 100 metres. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. So Sam and Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish but even 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple who Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Jesus saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumour spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus had not said that he would not die. 
Only, he said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that not even the whole world would, I suppose even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Thanks, Becky. That's great. Thanks for that reading. Uh, we're going to, I'm going to just uh, share a few things on this passage today. So if you have John chapter 21, just keep it open in, in front of you. But before we get stuck in, I just want to uh, ask you all a question. Who here is a fan of musicals? Who here is a fan of musicals? Maybe you go to Broadway or West End. Um, I don't know what it is, Lion King, Les Miserables, whatever. Who's a fan of musicals? I would normally, if I was in church, ask you to put your hand up, but uh, I have no way of seeing who has their hands up. So um, I'm just going to have to trust that you do that. I'm assuming a number of you are fans of musicals. Um, some of you may not be, that's fine. But for those of you who are fans of musicals, I want you to think right now, what is your favorite musical, favorite musical you have ever seen? Can you do that right now? Now, uh, once you've thought of that, I want you to say it out loud, wherever you are, in your living room or anywhere, wherever you are, I want you to say what your favorite musical is out loud. One, two, three, do it now. Now, I don't know what you said. Uh, perhaps it was The Lion King. That seems to be a pretty popular musical or Les Miserables or Phantom of the Opera. I think what else is there? Jersey Boys, Wicked. There's loads of different types of musicals out there. I don't know what your favorite one is. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm not really a big fan of musicals. I'm not really into them. Uh, but a few years ago, uh, my wife, uh, Elizabeth, convinced me to go see the musical Les Miserables. And I have to confess, I loved it. I absolutely loved it, really did. And the reason I loved it, it wasn't because I had a newfound love for musicals or anything like that, but it was because the story of Les Miserables is all about grace. It's all about grace. It's such a good story if you've never seen it. It's it basically, I'll, I'll, I'll summarize it. Maybe you've seen it, but it's pretty much about a homeless guy called Jean Valjean. He's just got out of prison uh, and he gets taken in by a kind bishop after he finds him sleeping rough in the doorway of his church. And Jean Valjean kind of repairs the bishop by stealing the silver from the bishop's church. Not a very nice thing to do, but the police catch him as he's escaping and bring him back to the bishop with, you know, the bag of silver in his hand. But the bishop surprisingly doesn't condemn Jean Valjean. No, he tells the police officer, no, he didn't actually steal the silver in the bag. No, in fact, I gave him the silver. He's done nothing wrong. And the police officer looks a bit sheepish and thinks, okay, this doesn't sound right, but anyway, and lets Jean Valjean go and, and then the police officer leaves. And after the police officer leaves, the bishop, bishop then tells Jean Valjean that he's free to go and that he can keep the silver. And Jean Valjean is blown away by this. He's astounded by this because for the first time in his life, he's experienced grace. And the rest of the musical shows how this grace transforms his life. There's a lot of other things in there as well, but it shows how this grace transforms this guy's life. And that's what I want us to talk about this morning, grace and the power of grace that it can have in our lives. And one of the places in the Bible where we see grace most clearly is in the passage Becky just read to us there, John chapter 21, the, the story of Peter being forgiven and reinstated by Jesus after he had denied him three times. And I think this passage shows us two things, two things about grace. Firstly, I think this passage shows us how to receive grace. 
And secondly, this passage shows us how to respond to grace. And that's what I want us to look at this morning, real briefly, how to receive grace and how to respond to grace. So let's start by looking at what this story tells us about how to receive grace. Now, it's interesting about this passage. What's interesting about this passage is that this miracle is this miracle of kind of Jesus, you know, getting them to put the net in and getting loads of fish, even after they've fished all night and caught nothing. This miracle is almost identical to the one Jesus did two years previously with the disciples in Luke chapter five, except for one crucial difference. And that is the reaction of Peter. So this is the second time Jesus has done this miraculous catch of fish miracle. Now, the first time Jesus provides this miraculous catch of fish two years previously, Peter sees it and says to Jesus, on his knee, gets on his knees and says to Jesus, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Okay, he's, he's afraid. But this time, John chapter one, Peter's reaction is completely different. This time, Peter runs to Jesus as fast as he can. He's so eager to get to Jesus that he even jumps in the water with his clothes on to get to him. You know, I think one of the reasons Peter is so eager to get to Jesus is because he knew he'd let Jesus down big time. He looked, and we looked at this just before Easter. Peter had had blatantly denied that he ever knew Jesus. And and the sense of failure and guilt was was still hanging over him, I think. And, And so he runs to Jesus, hoping for a second chance. And when he gets to Jesus, Jesus asks him three times. We see this in the passage. Three times he asks him, Peter, do you love me? And each time Peter says, I do love you. And each time Jesus responds by saying, feed or take care of my sheep, which is Jesus pretty much saying, look, look after believers, followers of me, Christians. And this, this seems to be Jesus' way of saying to Peter, look, it's okay, Peter, I forgive you. You're still part of my team and I've got important work for you to do, to teach and take care of my followers. And, you know, I think the reason Jesus asks Peter three times is because Peter denied him three times. It's kind of like Jesus is saying, you denied me three times. So I'm going to give you a chance to say what you wish you had said three times to me. And you know, maybe like Peter, you feel like you've let Jesus down recently. It may not be in the same way, but maybe you feel like you've let Jesus down recently. Perhaps you've done something you know you shouldn't have, or you, you're not doing something you know you should do. You know, I, I experienced this recently at, a few months ago, I was listening to an audiobook um, while painting some walls in our bathroom. I was listening to an audiobook by Francis Chan. You may have heard of him. He's a pretty influential American church pastor. And, and in this audiobook, he was, he was talking about the importance of prayer. And um, he's written loads of books, and they're great, and I love a lot of them. Um, and, and he said this line, just as he was talking about the importance of prayer, and this line just hit me like a ton of bricks. He said this. He said, I once told my church staff to let me know if they're not praying at least one hour a day. That way I could replace them with someone who would. And I remember when I heard that, I thought, gosh, uh, I don't pray an hour a day. If I was in his church on his staff, he'd sack me. And, and, and that line, it just, it just played on my mind for a few days after hearing it. And, and I began to feel like I was, I don't know, I kind of feel like I was letting God down. I began to feel like I was letting church down by not praying enough. And I'm sure, I'm sure many of us can sometimes feel like we're letting God down because we aren't doing enough of what we think a good Christian should do. 
For example, not praying enough, not reading our Bibles enough or sharing our faith enough. And, and often we can try to make ourselves feel better by simply trying harder, trying to pray more, reading our Bibles more, sharing our faith more and, and so on. And, and that's certainly what I tried to do in this situation because I decided that I was going to pray for an hour every day and then I would feel better because I would be meeting Francis Chan's standards on prayer. So I did. I prayed for an hour every day, once. And then I realized that I can't free myself from feeling inadequate and guilty by simply trying harder. What I needed to do instead was to go to Jesus. I needed to go to Jesus. You know, if, if we want to be free from feelings of failure and guilt and inadequacy, we need to go to Jesus like Peter did. We can't free ourselves from these things by these feelings by simply trying harder. It doesn't work. So how do we go to Jesus? Good question. Well, real simply, we go to him through prayer, sharing with him what's on our heart. And, and for me, I, I just came to him a few days after this, this situation had happened. And I just said, Jesus, look, I'm, I'm feeling real bad about not praying an hour a day. I'm feeling pretty condemned about it. And I just, in that moment, I, I just felt Jesus remind me of, of 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, where God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And that's what I needed to hear in that moment, just what I needed to hear. So that's, that's how to receive grace. We, we tell Jesus about our sense of guilt and inadequacy, and we allow the truth of the Bible to speak to us and restore us and bring us freedom again. So that's the first thing, how to receive grace. But what does this passage show us about how to respond to grace? What does this passage show us about how to respond to grace? Well, this passage shows us that the way we respond to the grace of Jesus is by following him, whatever the cost, and not comparing ourselves to others. That's what this passage tells us. The way we're to respond to the grace of Jesus is by following him, whatever the cost, and not comparing ourselves to others. And that's exactly what Jesus tells Peter to do. Jesus tells Peter in verse 18 that he's going to be crucified for his faith. And we know from church history that that's exactly what happened. 35 years later, Peter was crucified for his faith in the city of Rome. Now, after Peter hears this, what Jesus just told him how he's going to die, he then looks at John and asks, what's going to happen to him? What's going to happen to him? Well, you've told me what's going to happen to me. What's going to happen to him? And Jesus is like, don't worry about him. You follow me. You're going to carry your cross, not his. Don't worry about him. And you know, often we can wish our lives were different, can't we? You know, imagine ourselves in Peter's shoes, just having heard that from Jesus, how we're going to die. We're going to be crucified. We might be thinking, I'm not sure I want to be crucified. I think I'd rather have John's life and, you know, write the book of Revelation and die of, an old, of old age at 100 on a nice sunny Greek island because that's what happened with John. That sounds much better. I'd far rather have John's life. And, you know, so often we can do that, can't we? And I wish I had their life. I wish I had their salary, their house, their happy family, all that. And by the way, those happy families are never as happy as they seem. But, but you know, we, we, can, we can want that. We can always look at other people's lives and think, oh, I want what they have. What would they have? Lord, I want you to use me in the way you're using them. You know, Elizabeth and I, we were, we were chatting about this on Friday, and she said, she said, sometimes I, I catch myself thinking, if only I had their house with all those bedrooms, I could be so hospitable for you, Lord, with it. Oh, I could. 
Or if only I had their big kitchen, Lord, all oh, the meals I could make for people, you know? And, and she said, I just catch myself sometimes thinking about that. They have all the things that people have. And, and you know what Jesus says to that? Jesus says, what is that other person's house or kitchen to you? You follow me with what you have. You follow me. You know, for me, uh, a few months ago, I, I saw a picture on Instagram and it was um, a picture of another church in Manchester. It was a picture of their weekend away and everyone on their weekend away. And I looked at the picture and there was loads of people on their weekend away. And I thought, wow, that church is really big. And then I thought, hold on a minute. That church started at the same time I planted CCM Lady Barn. And they're way bigger than us now. And then I thought, oh, hold on a minute. Lord, am I doing something wrong? What, what am I not doing right here? Why, why have we not grown as much as this other church? What, what's going on here? And what Jesus says to that, Andy, what is that church to you? You follow me in your situation. You follow me right where you are. And that's what I needed to hear. You know, Jesus has, has got a unique plan, a unique, a unique path planned for every believer. And, and with that path comes unique blessings and unique hardships. You know, yes, Peter was going to be crucified. I don't think any of us would like that. But on the flip side, a week after this encounter with Jesus, Peter was going to preach the gospel and 3,000 people were going to get saved. Okay, that would have been awesome to see. The blessings and hardships on our paths are different from the next person. And what Jesus is asking of you and me is, are you willing to follow me? Do you trust me enough to follow me on the path that I have prepared for you that's what he's asking us you know, jesus doesn't want us to be looking at others he wants us to look at him keeping our eyes fixed on him following him with everything we have but what does following jesus look like practically you know when you're stuck at home with the kids or when you're self-isolating and haven't seen people for days well i think real simply that following jesus means living out Jesus' love, patience, compassion, forgiveness, and truth in whatever situation we're in. I'm going to repeat that. Following Jesus means living out Jesus' love, patience, compassion, forgiveness, and truth in whatever situation we're in. And for most of us, following Jesus will take place in the normal, ordinary, day-to-day -day living. It will, it will mean to, to speak positive words to someone and to spread hope instead of cynicism and negativity. It will mean to resist scaremongering. It will mean to forgive members of your household for not doing the washing up. You know, it will mean to give somebody who might be lonely a phone call and to encourage them. And I'm sure you can think of many more examples. Us following Jesus, you know, us following Jesus, it, it might not look as impressive or significant as, for example, Peter following Jesus, but Jesus is saying to us, what is that to you? What is what Peter did to you? You must follow me. You must follow me in the situation that you are in. So we've looked at you this morning at how to receive grace and how to respond to grace. And, and as we go into this new week, still in the, this lockdown situation, we might find ourselves maybe beating ourselves up for not being patient enough for the kids or not praying enough, not reading our Bibles enough, not being motivated enough for work. But when we find ourselves in that, that place, let's remember to run to Jesus like Peter did. Let's tell him how we feel about our struggles and our failures and let's receive 
grace. Because he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And secondly, we've, we've looked at how to respond to grace. Jesus showed grace to Peter in this passage by reinstating him after he'd failed Jesus miserably. And Jesus has shown us grace by dying for us and forgiving us and making us right with God. And the way we respond to this amazing grace is by following Jesus, no matter the cost. Not comparing our circumstances to others, but living out Jesus' love, patience, compassion, forgiveness, and truth in whatever situation we find ourselves in. I hope that's been encouraging for you this morning. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pray now for us, um, and then we're going to go back into a time of worship with Jamie. Let's, let's all pray. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for this beautiful picture of your grace in John chapter 21 that we've been able to read today. Lord, thank you that you're the God of second chances. Thank you that you're the God who restores and reinstates. Thank you that you're the God who saves, Lord. And Father, I just, I pray for all of us this next week as we're all in this lockdown situation, Lord, that you will help us to receive grace from you each day. But also, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to respond in graceful ways each day of this week as well, Lord. I pray that we'd be at your hands and feet as we live for you in this world, in these uncertain times, Lord. I pray you bless us, comfort us, and keep us, Lord. And we ask this in your name. Amen.